So today we come to the longing of every breaking heart. We live in a hurting world. We receive hurts and we inflict hurts. Hurting is natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. And then reconciliation, when it happens, is a miraculous gift of God. And I don't know what that means for you today. There are areas in my life where I just need to wait. And then other areas where time for me to take a step and I'm working on that right now. But I want to tell you the story that climaxes the book of Genesis that's about this. Joseph and his brothers, you might remember, he's the favorite. They can't stand him. He's this arrogant dreamer. They sell him into slavery. We're told in verse 37 that uh, this caravan that they sell him to has camels loaded with spices, balm, myrrh, and they sell them for 20 shekels of silver. So hang on to that. At the end of that first chapter, it looks hopeless and despairing. The brothers are betrayers. The father is beside himself. But in the last verse, verse 36, it says, Meanwhile, there's a wonderful book on writing that talks about transitions. It says, when you're writing a transition, remember that phrase and how you felt when you read it when you were reading a story as a kid. And then one day, a phrase that, opens up new possibilities that makes your heart stop for a second. There may be something happening. There may be a change coming that could alter everything. And it came to pass. And then one day, there's something happening here beyond human capacity. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, who worked for the Pharaoh. And... Um, then, as you might remember from Joseph's life, he's in slavery... And from there, bad to worse, he goes into prison. Interestingly, in both those horribly dark places, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. When he was young and he wore the robe and he was his dad's favorite and everything was easy, it doesn't say that. And then later on, when he's Pharaoh's favorite, he wears a new robe given to him by Pharaoh. He's judged. It doesn't say it there. It doesn't mean God wasn't with him in the easy places. But the Bible wants uh, us to understand about God being with people, and if God could be with Joseph in slavery, if he could be with him in prison, where can he not be with you? And then Joseph is put in charge of all of Egypt, and there are seven flourishing years, and then come seven years of famine, and two years into it, uh, we read about Jacob and his other sons, and they are starving. And so Jacob says to them, uh, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. So go there and buy some for us so that we can live and die. But Jacob did not send Benjamin. He sends the other 10, doesn't send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So apparently Benjamin, now the youngest, the only other son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, is the one that he dearly loves. And the other 10 are expendable. Joseph was the governor of the land. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, this is chapter 42, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. You might remember the dream that Joseph had. Joseph remembers. Now this is 22 years later. Joseph left when he was 17. He's now 39 years old. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Now, why does he speak harshly to him? Does he have some kind of a plan in mind? Does he just want to inflict pain on them? Is he angry at them? The text does not say. 
Relationships and reconciliation are often a very messy and confusing thing. He goes on to say to them that if they're really not spies, which he accuses them of being at first, then he wants them to leave one of the brothers with them. The other should go down there and get their younger brother. They tell him that they have one other brother at home with their dad. Bring him back as proof that they're not spies. They said to one another uh, when he says this, surely we're being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And then it says, uh, they did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. So this is another layer. Now we say not only did Joseph's brothers not recognize him, they did not know that he could understand what they were saying because he spoke through an interpreter and they comment to each other, this trouble that we're having right now is judgment on us because of what we did to our brother Joseph. Joseph begins to see the guilt and repentance that his brothers carry. He has to begin to look at them a little differently now. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again, sends them home. When he sends them home, he puts the silver that they had brought to buy food back into their sacks. They don't know it, but when they get home, they discover their silver is still there. And they're afraid they're being framed uh, for being thieves. So they're frightened to go back. And they tell their father, Jacob, that he told us to come back and bring Benjamin. But Jacob will not let him do that because he doesn't want to lose Benjamin. Famine goes on. Eventually, they realize they have to go back if they're not going to starve. And so they do. Um, and it says when they go back, Jacob tells them, to take silver, of course, back with them, and a little balm and some spice and myrrh. Myrrh. Um, you remember that was in the caravan of the Midianites so many years earlier. We talked about how the great problem of human life, Hannah Arndt said, is irreversibility. I cannot undo what I have done. And we're beginning to see here now another caravan loaded with just the same things going back to Egypt this time on a different mission, the creative power of forgiveness and reconciliation to bring about redemption. So they go there and uh, present themselves to Joseph. When Joseph looked and saw his brother, his own mother's son, he asked them, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. Why is he so deeply moved? We don't know. It may well be he thinks about all those years that he lost with his little brother Benjamin and his other brothers, and that loss will never be replaced no matter what happens. There is deep grief and pain in life and uh, families, and relationship. And that's part of what we see in this story. He throws a feast for his brothers, and um, he gives five times as much food to Benjamin as he gives to the rest of them. Why does he do this? Why does the text notice them? Note this. Well, um, once again, the younger brother, the son of Rachel, is being favored, and Joseph can look to see how do the other brothers respond to it this time? He knows how they responded to it the first time. They finished that feast. Um, 
He sends them home with more grain. But before they get home, he sends some soldiers after them and stop them. And the soldiers say, something precious, the silver divining cup that belongs to Joseph himself has been stolen. And whoever stole it is going to have to be accountable. And it had been placed in the sack of Benjamin. And so now Benjamin is going to have to go back and pay the price. And Joseph meets with his brothers and tells them this. Now, you remember, 22 years earlier, there was a favorite, and they had to come up with some way to get rid of him that was pretty difficult and pretty risky. This time, there is the youngest son who is the favorite, who their father doesn't want to risk, who their father loves more than them. And this time, they don't have to risk anything at all. All they have to do is to do nothing. And Joseph says, now Benjamin will have to stay here. He'll have to pay the price. But this time, Jacob... At uh, this time, um, Judah, who's the one that uh, suggested selling Joseph into slavery in the first time, this time he says, no, 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 let me stay. If the boy is not with us, when we go back to your servant, my father, to Jacob, my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Now then, please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return to his brothers. This time, Judah says, "Uh, let me take his place. I will stay here. I will be a prisoner. I will die so that my younger brother can live. The rabbis used to say that, you know, repentance is complete when you face the same situation where you were tempted and fell. Only this time you do the opposite. This time you do not fall. And now Joseph knows. That's why this strange story has been going on. And Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. That, Philippians, he wrote, was the sound of a man forgiving. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Now that too, this is such a loaded story, is a pregnant phrase. When his father Jacob was young, he was deceiving his father, Isaac, pretending to be Esau. And Isaac said to him, come close to me so that I can tell, so that I can feel your skin, so that I can know. And Jacob came close to him, but in order to deceive him, this time Joseph says, come close to me so that you can know me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brother talked with him. And that also is a very pregnant phrase. 
when they were estranged in Genesis 37, it says, and his brothers could not speak a word to him. But afterwards, now his brothers talk with him. That's the story of forgiveness and reconciliation, the undoing of all the brokenness and pain and bitterness and hatred and betrayal that has marked the human race from the fall. That's why uh, the book of Genesis ends up with it. So I just want you to live with the beauty of reconciliation and the messiness of it today. And then ask God, is there any relationship where there is any step that I could take? I'm doing that. There probably will be for you. And then pray for reconciliation in our world, in the Middle East, in the Ukraine, only God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Thanks for joining us. At Become New, we want to grow spiritually one day at a time, but it's tough to do that alone. So we're offering a little more support for anyone who would like to work on putting the content into practice. You can sign up to receive a text at the end of each week in this series, asking if you completed the here's how portion for that week. If you want, you can reply to the text and let us know how it went, or if you need prayer in taking those action steps. To sign up for the end of week reminder, just text the word MORE to 855-888-0444 and we'll put you on the list. As always, to receive the emails or video links by text, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. If you're already signed up for the emails but aren't getting them, try checking your spam folder or better yet, you can add us to your contact list. Our email address is connect at becomenew.com. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Text your specific prayer request to 855-888-0444. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray specifically over every person who sends a text in. We'll catch you next time.